Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show online. My name's Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live, texasfootball.com, or on Facebook, or on YouTube, or on Twitch, or you're listening to us in the podcast which you can subscribe to on the podcast venue of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She is Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley Pickle. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. How are you? It's cold in here. It's always Not cold lie. in here. It's always cold in here. It's like extra cold. Um, it is. Today is Thursday, May 20th, 520, man. Um... 2021, 189 days till Thanksgiving. I'm going to ruin every one of your fun things. All of yeah. you. All of your fun things. 520, man. 189 days till Thanksgiving. Episode 1170. 1170. This is the Eric Young Sr. episode. We're five episodes away, aren't we? No. I thought you said 75. Oh, eight. 1077. Richie Zisk is Oof. the last 1177. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with a bit. Don't worry. Um, you never have to worry about me coming up with a bit. Um, and so welcome in. Um, Eric, Eric Young senior, by the way, scored the game winning run in one of my favorite Rangers game of all time in 2004 when Del- David DeLucci doubled plus past Jermaine Dye in right field and they swept the Oakland days. Uh, they had to beat Mulder, Zito and Hudson in consecutive days to stay in the playoff race. And they were down in the ninth inning. David DeLucci rockets a double to right past a diving Jermaine Young. Eric Young comes around from first and scores to win. You have an illness. One of my favorite. You have an one illness. of my favorite sporting events. On today's show, guys, we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, like um, we're going to talk a little bit about consistent success in Texas high school football and how difficult it is. And I'll kind of put into into um, into um, hopefully perspective of how difficult it is to be a consistent winner. In the back half of the show, it's big guest Thursday, and I suppose we have a big guest. We'll be joined Two by of them. we'll be joined by Ty Roberts. Ty Roberts is the director of the upcoming major motion picture, 12 Mighty Orphans, uh, which is a movie picture, movie picture. That is, I'm an old man. No, I'm going to the movie picture. (laughs) Um, A a film about, uh, based off of the book by Jim Dent, about the uh, Masonic home Mighty Mites, um, and their remarkable story. If you've ever read 12 Mighty Orphans, it's kind of, it's, it's like Friday Night Lights, 12 Mighty Orphans, 
that's probably the list. Like that's the that's the the Mount Rushmore of Texas high school football books. Yes, in my opinion, I'm sure there's a couple of others, uh, but but Friday Night Lights and, and Twelve My Orphans are making a movie out of it. Ty Roberts is the director, and uh, playing Rusty Russell, the coach, is uh, the pride of Dallas St. Mark's Luke Wilson. <laughs> um, so we talked with both of them yesterday. Um, talked with um, Hollywood celeb Luke Wilson about uh, being a. He's, he's in our magazine, by the way, 1989. And I, I confront him about that. Yep. So we will have a conversation with uh, Luke Wilson of Bottle Rocket and of the Royal Tenenbaums and of Blue Streak and of what's the what's the what's the he's in Legally Blonde. Yep. Legally Blonde. Yeah, that's where an uh, old school. That's where Mallory knew him from, yeah, Legally, Legally Blonde. Blonde. Anyway, we'll have that coming up here at the back half of the show. Stay tuned on Big Guest Thursday and Bear Shirt Thursday. Do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Tanner Solis, Rob Hadaway, Daniel Agnew, and Tony Blaylock. Welcome in, fellas. Hello, friends. Okie dokie. Mademoiselle Pickle. You went inside the numbers. Let's talk a little bit about inside the numbers. Because I, I it, it's, it's, it's a time of year we're putting together the 2021 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, which you can get mailed to you before it hits newsstands if you go to textfootball.com slash subscribe. And I think that we look at... at uh, one thing we, we talk a lot about on this show is how in, in high school football, you kind of have to measure success differently for different teams. If in, in the NFL, I think that there is a very clear delineation of what a good season is and what a bad season is, right? I think if you make the playoffs, generally speaking, you had a good season. Is that fair? Yes. In the NFL? I would agree If you with make that. the playoffs, you had a good season. Um, if you if you don't make the playoffs, there are there are different levels of bad season, mm-hmm. but like, if you don't make the playoffs, then it's like, it's a disappointment. You're in the bottom half of the league. Right. right? That's, there's, there's that side. College football is a little bit more nebulous, and we talked a little bit about this on Tuesday with my big dumb idea about realignment. And, but I think it's fair to say that, like, if you win your conference, if you make a bowl game, mm-hmm. for the most part, it's hard to say it's a bad season. Right. But there's different levels. Like, if Alabama goes to the uh, Meineke Car Care Bowl. Yeah. I don't know if they have an SEC tie-in. If they go to that bowl, that will be a bad season for Alabama. Absolutely. So it's a little bit more nebulous when you take a step down. I would make the argument that it is even further nebulous-sized by right. when you drop down to <laughs> high school football because right. you are dealing with different circumstances for different programs. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not reason. Let's put it this way. It is not reasonable to expect a team from El Paso to win a state championship. Right. Okay. But if they can make it to, we talk all the time about teams from like the Rio Grande Valley, when they make it to the fourth round of the playoffs, that it's is a huge monumental. stinking deal. Yeah. That is Look a, at that is Sherilyn that's a, Pioneer last year. That's you a know? legendary accomplishment. Right. Okay. As opposed to Duncanville rolls out of bed, and if they don't make the fourth round of the playoffs, it is a huge right. disappointment. Absolutely. So there are different levels and different levels of success that we talk about a lot on the show about how you measure success. There are some places, some places, like I, I think like play, we, we've talked about teams that have made the playoffs forever, right? There's 24, 25 teams, I think, that have made the playoffs 25 consecutive years, mm-hmm. right? Uh, making the playoffs is old hat. It's, it's assumed, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to, there are a lot of, there are a, a fair number of programs in, in the state where making the playoffs would be a monumental achievement and would be like undeniably a great season. Right. Absolutely. But let's set a measurement and let's just agree. And I don't know if you agree with this. Mm -hmm. If you win 10 games in a season. Yes. 
that's a great season. I agree. I think for I think I think if you're across the board. I think if you're Allen or you're Prairie Lee or you are El Paso Montwood or you are Beaumont United mm-hmm. or you are Teague or you are Cleburne, if you win ten games mm-hmm. in a season, you are you did something impressive. Mm-hmm. That is a good year. Hard stop. Right. There's some places where it's easier to win ten games mm-hmm. because of uh, the, because of just realignment. For example, we've talked a lot about Lancaster. Lancaster mm-hmm. is in a district with Dallas ISD. They are, in my opinion, a lot better than all of those teams. Right. That should be seven or eight wins right there. Absolutely. I don't know. I can't remember how big their district is. That should be seven wins right there. Mm-hmm. Right. There are some places, and they should make the playoffs. They should win a playoff game. There's a, there's other places where t- winning ten games is really gosh darn tough mm-hmm. because you are grinding through. I, you think about some of the other teams in District Eleven and Six A, yeah. where you are you're up against Duncanville, Desoto, and Cedar right. Hill. Like when you when you get to the Midway schools, or you know, it's like that's difficult. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, what I wanted to do was I wanted to look at which teams have won ten games in each of the last five seasons. Now, some of this is a little bit wonky because of, of course, 2020. 2020 ruins everything. <laughs> but there are some teams that you would expect to be here that maybe you're like, well, what about what about that team? Like, uh, why, why aren't they on there? One that springs to mind is Lake Travis. Lake Travis mm-hmm. is not on this team. They have not won 10, 10 games in, in five, six years because they went 6-1 and one this past year. Right. Most... Any other year, would they have won 10 games? Like, we don't know, obviously, but they didn't play 10 games. They right. only played seven. Now, they got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So, that's considered a They did have control over that. But that is one thing that, that there is a little bit of a caveat here because of that. But, in the end, there are a grand total of 26 Texas high school football teams that have... Ooh, that's a little stretched. Mm. Um, that have we went white screen. That have won ten games in each of their last five seasons. Some of these I don't think you're going to be surprised about. Alito has won ten games in each of the last five seasons. If you are surprised by that, hello, welcome to Texas high school football. Yeah, they are the powerhouse. This is what right? happens. They have won it. Carthage has won ten games in each of the last ten game, ten or five years. Right, um, Highland Park. Right, Corpus Christi, Cal Allen, Mart. Some of these are not necessarily surprising. No, there are some here that I think people may not necessarily know about. Mm-hmm. One of them, and I, I routinely say I think they are one of the most criminally underrated programs in the state of Texas, and I think they have one of the most criminally underrated coaches in the state of Texas is Munster. Mm-hmm. Munster, eleven and two, sixteen and zero, twelve and two, eleven and three, ten and four. I mean, consistently, consistently. Good. Excellent what Brady Carney is able to do there at Munster. Uh, I think that people may be surprised to see a team like Union Hill. You're probably thinking, wait a second, Union Hill down in Gilmer? Like that six-man program? But yes, one of the most consistent six-man programs in America. 12-2, 11-1, 11-2, 10-2, 11-1. Every single year. Now part of it, I would say, they are in a situation where out east in my opinion, and especially in their district. Now, Leverett's Chapel is on the rise, but generally speaking, I think they're in a, they're in a district that is relatively manageable. They enter as the favorite in their district, but same at the same time, you got to go out there and win the darn games. Right. And they've done it. That's one that surprised me putting together this thing. Another one that I think people may be surprised about is that there are a pair of private schools on mm-hmm. here. Austin Regents, uh, of course, is, is one of those. Austin Regents, you may remember, um, had a quarterback a couple of years ago 
whose name is escaping me at the moment, Wilson Long, mm -hmm. who's now at TCU. But they have been one of the most consistent private school teams in the state of Texas. Uh, when you're talking about, uh, they went 13-1, 13-1, 11-2, 11-2, and then last year they went 10-0. Now that, you can see, based on COVID, right. they, were, they had to go perfect right. to win their, their state championship. And they and, and they were able to do that. Another one that that I I almost guarantee that people listening, unless they they are fans of the program or they follow uh, six man football uh, in the private school ranks pretty closely, uh, they may be surprised to see Bastrop Tribe consolidated on there. You're probably thinking Bastrop Tribe consolidated. Who are they? Mm -hmm. They play in TAIAO, which is a uh, an independent six man league. Mm -hmm. uh, but they have been consistently excellent all throughout the course of their program. Ten and three, ten and three, eleven and one, twelve and one, eleven and one. One of the most consistent private school six man programs. Probably the six-man program between them and then Stephenville Faith, who has been great um, over the past couple of years. Those are the two private school teams of record. So in a lot of ways, I think what this, this illustrates when you take a look at these is you've got a good mix of the, the heavy hitters, right? Oh, yeah. Alito, Allen, Argyle, of course, Westlake, West etc. Carthage. Uh, Mart, <laughs> Gunner, right, teams you expect. But I also think that what you're also seeing is a lot of teams that, that aren't on here mm -hmm. okay you'll notice galena park north shore not on not there. on this list because they went nine and four in 2017 yep right not on this list um i, I think that people may be surprised uh that uh, a team like denton geyer is not on this mm -hmm. list uh manville went nine and or two ryan. or, or uh, yeah, yeah denton ryan is on there uh but uh, oh, i missed that denton yep. ryan is on there they've made it but you may be surprised at some of these other big time uh programs uh, have not mm -hmm. because all it takes is one down year and suddenly you're you're you're, you're you're bringing that street wake la vega mm -hmm. wake la vega because they they were in line to do it in fact they are probably the winningest team that's not on here but they went nine and three this past year right and got knocked out by our by Argyle. so for me i think this is the if you're lo looking for a list like if you're looking for shorthand mm -hmm. of who are the most consistently excellent programs over the in texas high school football right now mm-hmm there are other ones that are obviously belong on this list, but here's a good place to start. Right, and I think the other really good thing about having this as five seasons is you cannot sit there and say, oh, well, they've had one class. One class. You know, like the, the freshman class was insane when they came in, the starting quarterback's there, and then they just rode that coattail, and then they'll lose every game next year, you right. know? So it's like the five really evens that out. It's 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 an interesting. It was interesting, and, and I found myself surprised putting this together of some of the teams that were on here, like Union Hill. I probably wouldn't have. You could give me a hundred guesses, and I wouldn't have thought about that. No, and, and then some I of wouldn't these, have either. Some of these private school teams. Uh, in fact, like some of the private school teams, I thought are interesting that they're not on there. For example, you know, teams that we hear a lot about, Dallas Parish Episcopal, Episcopal yeah. is always very very good, or at least has been the past couple of years. But they've had a couple of down seasons in recent years. All Saints. Um, yeah, All Saints. Um, you know, things like that. But but again, part of it is. You've just got to, th that consistency is so difficult. Mm -hmm. And and when we talk about winning, like for me, I, I, I know it's an adage I say a lot on the show, but I think winning the first state championship and having that first great year mm -hmm. is the toughest one. Everyone else gets a little bit cr progressively easier because of the Absolutely. culture that you build. And and these programs, I think, exemplify the culture that that have um, that has been successful in Texas high school football. So there you go. We're going to have a piece up on TexasFootball.com about this. But 26 teams have won 10 games in each of the last five seasons. So interesting little nugget here on yeah. May 20th on 520. <laughs> we Don't. celebrate.
Don't forget it. Mark down the day. (laughs) We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com, TexasFootball.com, where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Hope you will consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. That's our subscription package. Two magazines and a year's worth of exclusive online content at texasfootball.com. Uh, plus, you get the 2021 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football mailed directly to you. Uh, before it hits newsstands, if you go to texasfootball.com slash subscribe. So check that out. Pickle, it is Big Guest Thursday. And we have quite a big guest today. Uh, 12... 12- 12 Mighty Orphans is going to be hitting theaters next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, first in the state of Texas, I believe, on June 11th, and then a, a week later nationwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Which is cool that they're doing mm-hmm. that. I respect that a lot. Story based on, of course, the Mighty Mites of Fourth Masonic Home from back in the Great Depression era, one of the most inspiring Texas high school football stories ever. Uh, we had the great opportunity to chat with their director, Ty Roberts, and uh, one of the stars of the movie, Luke Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, here, uh, had a great conversation with him. Uh, them. Here's our conversation with Ty Roberts and Luke Wilson of the upcoming film 12 Mighty Orphans here on Texas Football Today. Most people around the state of Texas know 12 Mighty Orphans as one of the most iconic books about high school football in the state of Texas, uh, written by uh, Jim Dent. It is now going to be a major motion picture released in Texas on June 11th and released nationwide uh, June 18th. And here to talk about it is the director of the film, uh, Ty Roberts. Ty, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And and one of the stars of the movie, uh, we are joined uh, by uh, the coach himself, Rusty Russell. We're joined uh, by actor Luke Wilson. Luke, how are you? I'm great, Greg. Thank you for having us on. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Ty, I want to start with you. Um, you're a Midland guy. You're you're from the st- here in the state of Texas. I'm interested in what drew you to this project, uh, making 12 Mighty Orphans into a feature film. Yeah, you know, growing up in West Texas, it's certainly ingrained, uh, you know, in, in, in a young man's upbringing. So uh, it was definitely at the forefront of, you know, football. And I did play football as a youngster and uh, a few years into high school. Um, but, you know, really, I, I just I love this story so much. And, and Rusty Russell, to me, uh, was was a figure that I hadn't seen in, in a coach's role really before. Um, and, you know, in, in a sports film, you're, you're always looking for something that helps it sort of uh, stand aside and, and, and rise above some of the, the great films that have been made already. Um, but Rusty, man, I mean, he is such a, a, an incredible guy and his wife, Juanita, they were so ahead of their time in many, many ways uh, that that kind of drew me in really honestly early on. And, and of course, the orphans and the, and the powerful sort of story of the the masonic home orphanage and and all the kids that they affected during their uh 16 or so years at the masonic home in in fort worth and i just i love a good true story you know and you don't really have to to dress this one up to make it great and um it just it had all the workings of of a great sports story at the same time it had a really interesting and unique perspective to me that that uh, kind of ca- came outside of the football and sports perspective of it. You know, it, it, it touches upon, uh, you know, the Great Depression and uh, just the, 
the difficulties that these kids faced at that time in America. Uh, Luke, you play the the coach Rusty Russell, uh, who takes over the the Mighty Mites there at Fort Worth Masonic Home, and and this is a really, I think this is a really interesting role because not only is it a period piece, you know, it take place in the Great Depression, but you're also playing a football coach, which to my knowledge is not a role that you've played before. So how do you how do you prepare for a role like this, like you're taking on taking uh, playing uh, Rusty Russell in this movie? Well. I mean, I, I've always been, I mean, I have friends who'll make fun of me for not knowing like the specifics of, you know, where a team stands in the <laughs> NFC East and, you know, what draft pick went when. And, you know, I'm always kind of into these personal interest stories. And I've always been interested in, in coaches and, you know, I've read a lot of coaches biographies just kind of for fun over the years. There was a great one by John Feinstein about a season with, Bobby Knight called a season on the brink. And then, you know, there's a great book out right now called, called I came as a shadow about John Thompson. And I just think that coaching such a, an interesting job. I mean, you know, you've got people that are like, you know, Bobby Knight, who's just kind of over the top and kind of a, a maniac at times. And then you compare him to somebody like John Wooden, who's just kind of, you know, seems like a, you know, a philosophy professor almost and how with, you know, you can have those two different approaches, but still, you know, you, you know, Bobby Knight won national championships and John Wooden won national championships. And, you know, they each had completely different approaches. And so for me, you know, playing somebody like Rusty Russell, I think a lot of it, you know, I would think about him having been in World War One and having lost his brother in battle. And, you know, this was a time when, you know, men weren't out there sharing their feelings and PTSD didn't even exist. But I think he'd already kind of, you know, in a lot of respects, he'd already kind of been to hell and back. And so I kind of saw him as kind of a gentle, a gentle guy. And, and also had spent a lot of time with his grandson, Russ, who was on set a lot. And so I think I couldn't help but, you know, uh, play Rusty in a way that, you know, I was influenced by talking to Russ about his grandfather, you know, Coach Russell, who did seem like just a very decent, decent guy who, you know, he left a, a football program and a school in Tyler, Texas that, you know, would have been a lot more prestigious and then moved with his wife and, you know, young child to, to an orphanage in Fort Worth, you know, at the tail end of the depression. So I think, yeah, he was just kind of a extraordinary guy and he went about it in a very kind of quiet, dignified way. Uh, Ty, you are also, aside from being the director of this film, you're also one of the co-writers of this, uh, of the screenplay, obviously based on the book by, by Jim Dent, which is literally legendary across uh, the state of Texas. Uh, you know, in watching the film, I was I was really struck. You know, I I probably don't need to tell folks it's one of my favorite books. I was struck by how faithful the movie is to the book, and and um, that always strikes me as as very difficult to find that balance between being faithful to the book but also making sure it it translates to the screen. You know, how important was that for you to to make it faithful to the book, and also how challenging was it for you? It, it was extremely challenging. Um, you know, the book spans a few different seasons and, and combines, you know, the stories of a number of different characters. I mean, it hones down to our 12 guys. Um, but we, we, we had to, to take it for what it was. And we're making a, a you know, two-hour feature film. 
Um, and so we, we had to take a few you know, liberties whatnot in order to make the story work in a two hour picture. Um, but, but at the essence of all the, you know, I've done a few, uh, you know, stories and films that are based on characters and, and based on true stories. And it, it's really important to, to, to honor the spirit of it to me. Um, at the same time, it's a fine line because you've got to tell the best story you can because, you, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's our livelihood and we got to get out there and, and, you know, get, get people in the box, in the, in the seats and sell box office tickets and, and get, and make this film the best it can be. So it, it's a, it's a balance beam on, in both worlds, you know, um, it, it, it's extremely important. And, and I, I feel like, between Luke being a, a, a Dallas native who played football, uh, who who favors that more philosophical side of coaching, I think, as did Rusty. You know, we we fit so many truths to the story uh, that I I feel like the things that we did have to sort of kind of cram in and make work. I think they're they're totally in the spirit of the film and the story. And uh, you know, I just I. It's so hard to do, and you know, we, we just Lane Garrison and I, my co-writer, we we sat in an eight by twelve room for probably six eight months hmm. trying to make this thing work, and we started out with multiple seasons, and we just we just chipped at it, and uh, finally got it down to where it is today, and it, it just it's funny you can't work you know backwards because we spent so much time trying to make it work other ways. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a talent for sure, but I feel really, really good about it. And I feel like we preserve Rusty's sort of honor and the spirit of the home and a lot of these main characters and Jim Den, of course, who did a great job with the book and was really my big inspiration. Yeah. Uh, Luke, you're the, the lead in the movie, but you're far from the only star here. Uh, Robert Duvall, uh, you know, Martin Sheen, Wayne Knight, it's a, it's a star studded cast, you know, from, I, I know you've had a long career, uh, in acting, but uh, but what was the experience like for you working uh, with 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 a cast like this? Yeah, I mean that's always been the most exciting part of um, for me having been an actor is when I've gotten the chance to work with those people I grew up loving watching on the big screen and you know people that my dad was a fan of and you know like I've gotten to work with you know Gene Hackman and Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges so. When you get to work with people like that, it's just kind of a, I mean, it's already exciting enough to be on a set, but when you get to work with somebody that you're an actual fan of, and then you find out that, you know, they're, they're not just great actors, but great people, that's, it makes it really exciting. And, and yeah, the chance to get to be around Martin Sheen, you know, I like Ty had, you know, there are those movies that are so important to us, like Badlands and Apocalypse Now. And then you find out that he's just an incredible person because, you know, when we were doing this movie, uh, you know, you've got the orphans. So you got 12 or 14 boys and then me and Martin and we're shooting outside. So you got to get everything. You know, you've got 15, you know, 16 guys in a scene and you're trying to shoot outside before the sun goes down. So, you know, we're moving around and moving fast. And 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 Martin just had the, the best attitude and you could tell how much he loved the boys and how much they loved him. And, yeah, I think he just kind of had a, a spirit that, um, you know, that really inspired everybody because, you know, when 
so, sometimes it's like you, you picture those people that are kind of always, you know, like at the, about the age of 50 or 55, like Martin, but he is older. And so you want to just make sure that, you know, he's comfortable and, you know, we're not moving too fast. And, and that, you know, certain, sometimes those actors from that are from a different era, you know, they have a different way of working or, you know, they like to stick to the script. But Martin, you know, he was up for new ideas that Ty would have or that I would have or that the boys would have. And he was just so great to work with. And um, I mean, I kidded around with him one day saying, you know, because I knew. Martin had all boys and I said that my dad, I know I said to Martin that, you know, I know that me and my brothers drove my dad crazy. How did he like being a father to boys? And Martin said his only regret is that he didn't have four more boys. <laughs> so he's just, uh, he was just a great person to be around and also just, yeah, so talented and such a collaborator. You know, Ty, one of the things that, that is um, whenever I watch football movies, I think sometimes it can be really hard to capture football action that feels authentic. And yeah. in watching this film, it, it felt authentic. That was one thing that, that watching the football scenes, I was like, oh, this looks like they're actually playing football. It's not just a bunch of actors running around. You know, how how do you go about making sure that these football scenes, which obviously are so integral to the, the narrative of the story, to making sure they feel real. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's hugely important, uh, as you've noted. I mean, interestingly, you know, in 1938, nine, it was a slightly different style and on the way you line up and, and how you position your body and how you run. Even. Like everything was really erect and upright and like kind of a properness to it that, uh, you know, you see in the old clips and <clears throat> It, honestly, it was a style, and it's just the way that things happened and, and the, the way the plays were run. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we had a historical football consultant, uh, T.J. Stroop, uh, on set with us during the football uh, shooting days, and he, he specializes in early American football, and he worked with the boys and uh, you know, Lane Garrison and, and uh, their team to, to run these plays and to, you know, get into the right uh, stances and positions and, and how to run it properly and how to give it almost an awkward look. I, in, in my opinion, some of the guys you see them running, you know, they're, they're like straight backed and, you know, head back instead of today where it's head forward and like knocking into people, you know, it was a, it was a style that was very, very unique. So we really, uh, you know, just prepared for it as best as we could and, and tried to be as accurate historically as, as we could. And TJ did an awesome job with that. He, he did another film called Leatherheads. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that was, uh, you know, early, early American football as well as college football. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you got to run those plays. It takes a lot of time, you know, Lane, uh, Lane was helping coordinate it, who was my co-writer, and, and, you know, he really, really understood the plays, and he has a, a really strong background in football and still, you know, plays and runs routes and things like that, so he was really on top of it. I got behind the camera and, and the screens and looked at it to make sure it looked good, so he was watching the technical side and TJ, and I was sort of looking at it from a creative and believability standpoint, so it was a great, great, you know, new process for me, but definitely 
pretty intense. Yeah, well, I, th- I thought that it, it turned out really, really great. And in, in, in watching those those scenes, I thought that they were very believable. And, you know, finally, um, you know, Luke, I, I, I'm holding here. This is the 1989 edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. I'm going to flip just randomly to page 282 to the uh, the preview for, the, for Dallas St. Mark's. It's interesting here. They mentioned they're excited about Marwin Brown, about Ben Smith, Otis Jennings. Coach Jerry Reese is really excited. But then also also back for 1989, uh, Matt Shuford, uh, Creighton Smith, and a gentleman named Luke Wilson. Um, <laughs> what can you tell me about Luke Wilson, star of Dallas St. Mark's? <clears throat> um, Luke Wilson, <laughs> that guy, he, had, he loved his teammates. He was a good wide receiver, good running back. He was not great, like, Friday nights in between the band and the lights and the crowd. Sometimes he would need his fullback, Joey Newhoff or Marlon Brown, to explain exactly what was going to be happening <laughs> on a given play. But, no, that was actually a great team, and it's so funny to hear all those names because we had a great coach then, um, by the name of Jerry Reese, who was also my track coach, but he was just a great guy and a really um, good person. And uh, yeah, that was a really fun team. I think my senior year we were eight and two. And um, but yeah, I enough like Marwin Brown. I always think about the blocks he laid out for me, where he was not. He was probably the one of the best players on our team. He was one of our captains and also just an incredible blocker as well as being a great runner and receiver and my blocking sometimes was i mean it was one of those things where they'd saturday mornings they'd replay the tape you know i would just i would take i would take my best shot but there were those blocks where i just completely missed a guy <laughs> and um and then it would be up to Marwin, and then it would be up to Marwin to have to make a great juke to find some open field but that's pretty that's pretty funny that I'm, I'm just glad i made the scouting report hey listen you're famous now so good for you man yeah <laughs> made it good for you it's luke wilson uh and ty roberts the film is 12 mighty orphans it's uh being released across texas june 11th and released na- nationwide in theaters across uh, america june 18th fellas congratulations on a fantastic film and uh thanks for your time today Greg, thanks a ton. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Good talking to you. There they are. Luke Wilson and Ty Roberts, the uh, lead and director, respectively, of the upcoming major motion picture, 12 Mighty Orphans. Um, and it, uh, I guess one thing, uh, maybe it's it's it should be clear because this is a movie that has Robert Duvall and Martin Sheen and Luke Wilson and Wayne Knight and like a really good cast in it. And, but, but maybe like, I guess when I say like major motion picture, like this is put up by Sony picture, like Sony. Entertainment. Yeah. It's not like, some like this, this isn't, local Texas company putting it out for a short film festival. This like is, this isn't you and me with a camera telling r- the story, you know, this is like a full on, Hollywood Hollywood motion picture like when we called the their publicist girl it was a California like a person a lady in California Hollywood people yeah with with a Sony email like Um, (laughs) but 
Um, but it it also has that unique Texas flair that like you mm-hmm. heard Ty Roberts is from Midland and mm-hmm. and Luke Wilson of course is a Dallas guy. He and his brothers are went to St. Mark's and so um, very cool to chat with them um, uh, about Twelve Mighty Orphans, the feature film hitting theaters in June. Yeah, if the lead actor was in the Bible, you can you can guess it's going to be pretty yeah, authentic. Right, that's right. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I do appreciate the fact that he's like I wasn't very good at blocking. <laughs> Shout out you. Good job. Self-awareness. Uh, yes. And now we go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Um, the question was asked, going back to our first segment, is do you happen to know the team that has the longest 10-win winning streak? I do. And the only reason I know that is because you said, hey, there's a comment asking what the <laughs> longest 10-win I was trying to make you look is. smart here. And so I'm... I'm not good at lying <laughs> to the audience. Um, you know this. Uh, the answer is Katie. Katie has not had a non-10-win season since 2001. That's insane. Uh, so 20 years, uh, which I believe Gary Joseph was the coach then? I don't know that um, answer. I can tell you that in just Which, a shout out Tony Blaylock, because he said Katie in the comments and was correct. Uh Gary Joseph took over in 2004. No, so that was still Mike Johnston. Uh, okay. But by the way, that was after a 16 and 0 season. So if you uh, if if you're looking for the last time they had a losing season, 1985, um, that they had a losing season. But uh, yes, the last time they had a a sub 10 win season, they went eight and four in 2001. That is the longest streak in Texas high school football. So, oh, they said he was the was he the defensive coordinator yes, at the time? Yes, he took okay. over. Yeah, he took over. He got promoted from within. He was Mike Johnston's defensive coordinator. So there you go. Yeah. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thank you to the guy who played uh, Mitch in the old school, Luke Wilson, and the director of Phil Money Orphans, Ty Roberts, for being our guest. Idiocracy, too. We forgot to He's an Idiocracy, one. which is the most important film I've ever made. <laughs> uh, for Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please be your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow for Mailbag Friday and more fun. Texas football today.